Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. All right, so we're going to try to get to the bottom of the situation in Wetaskiwin with uh, the homeless now being in a tent camp uh, in a field as we get into the colder, colder weather. And, uh, you know, where are we going from here? And as I said, the mayor's going to join us after the 9.30 news um, to give us the city's take on this, how we got to this position and where we'll go from here. Right now, we are going to chat with Craig Hovaldson, though, who is the owner of the Rock Soup Greenhouse and Food Bank, who was involved in the second stage of support here. Craig, thanks so much for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much for having us and uh, allowing us to share this message here. Okay, so from what I understand is the emergency shelter was set up downtown. That one was shut down as community uh, members were talking about increased crime and, uh, you know, public unrest or drunkenness or whatever you want to call it. There was problems. So the city decided to shut down that facility. That's when you got involved, correct? Because the next camp was set up uh, adjacent to your food bank? That is correct. So on August 9th, um, the city pulled the zoning on the building. Um, there was no secondary plan for where the people were going to go. Um, our organization here had been doing outreach with the houseless since we started. So on August 9th, people just started showing up here. Um, they just started showing up at Rock Soup knowing that we wouldn't turn them away, knowing that we would just help them. So on August 9th, um, a camp of 22 got set up by our volunteers, and it blossomed to about 55. Okay, so 55 people. Now, let's go back to the emergency shelter. Um, what, were, what were the issues there? As you know, I mean, City Council decided, you say, pull the zoning, shut down the facility. Um, what was the situation surrounding that facility? Um, so much like the situation in Edmonton or, or Calgary, the, the houseless core is downtown. A lot of the services are built around the downtown core. Mm-hmm. Um, so the shelter itself is right in the Civic Building downtown. Um, you know, the issue is um, the community and, and then the conversation and, and engagement, in my opinion, is, um, you know, the people are always there. And it's just, it became that unsightly NIMBY conversation that just got too far. Okay. So when that building was shut down, they, they moved adjacent to your facility. What was the situation there? Like, what services were they being offered while they were there? So it was right on our property here at Rock Soup, and also I live above the property here with Mike. Um, and so um, the, the, the shelter facility was still able to provide services. So they were doing mobile services here on our site. We were doing um, three meals a day plus snacks, so 55 uh, meals a day, all in accordance with their specific nutritional needs. Um, you know, we had the bathrooms, the showers. Um, there's no, so we would have to pay $2.50 out of our own pocket so they could go use the shower facilities at the local pool. Like, nothing of that is happening. Um, now, your facility was shut down. What was the reasoning for that when the city came in and, and um, asked you or told you that you could no longer do what you were doing? Yeah, so they didn't shut down the, the food bank. They shut right, down yeah, exactly, the, yeah. the encampment. Um, so we were served and fined um, for not being properly zoned to have the encampment. Um, the biggest thing for us is where are they going to go? Um, and so we appealed it, and then the city came up with this spot behind Walmart. 
And so once the city had installed the two bathrooms and the garbage facility, um, the campers had no choice but to move. Okay. And um, what were the, the issues that were raised and was... Were were there offers to try and, you know, help your facility or the earlier facility? I mean, did the city get involved and say, okay, these are the problems we're having, this is how we can alleviate some of them, or was it just, we're shutting it down? Yeah, there was a lot of, like, a lot of talk, um, but ultimately it got shut down without a secondary plan. There wasn't, you know, um, an emergency plan. There wasn't a meeting of all the other nonprofits to come in and say how we can rally together to support this. It was just... um, you know, city council voted to close it, and then that was it. And then there was no follow-up plan to where, at that time, there were 75 people living at the hub. And so there was no plan for where they were going to go. Um, so now we're in this situation where we have the tent camp set up behind the Walmart. Um, just describe the situation there, because agencies like yours are actually not allowed to be involved, or some are and some aren't. How does that break down? Yeah, that's the tricky part. Is So we're allowed to be able to... Um, go on site, but we're working so far out of scope here. We, you know, we're a we're a food bank. We're set up as a self serve kind of grocery um, food bank. We're not we're not meant to do this outreach. But the city's um, not allowing the open door, the shelter facility, from being on site currently. Um, so their business permit was pulled, and they're not able to provide the necessary support. So they have addictions counselors, they have the nurses, doctors, therapists med delivery and um, the city's threatening them with fines for entering the encampment or any city property. So the question I have is how we get to this point now. I mean, uh, and we'll speak to the mayor in a minute here, but it seems to me that it's being portrayed in some ways as uh, the city just saying, don't do this and don't do this and we're going to shut this down without a plan in place. But was there no involvement in the previous facility or the, uh, the facility that you were operating um, to say, okay, here are the problems that you need to address in order to continue doing this. Was there no opportunity or was it just completely shut down? Was there things that you were told you could do at either facility that weren't done that led to this? Uh, and that's the tough part. So for me, it was no, we, the, there was no conversation. It was, you're not allowed this. get these people out of here. Um, but then like, where are they going to go? And the same was for, for the shelter is, you know, you can't, the, the expectations were unreasonable um, without without rallying the community support, like expecting a downtown population of vulnerable to, you know, like not be in the streets. And, you know, there's just not the services. There's not the places for them to go. There's just... Um, so when we tried to have the conversation, there was no follow through. You know, we would try and talk about the services that are needed to actually assist this. Um, but... You know, the professional opinions just aren't being carried through, I think. Okay. Um, your, the, the, the camp that was set up at your facility, like you say, you owned the property, so this was all on private property, or was it spilling over into the neighborhood? I mean, is this an industrial area? Is this a residential area? Were there concerns from your neighbors, or was it all pretty much self-contained? Yeah, it's a mixed lot. Um, the majority of the tents were on our property here. Um, but of course, like there was 55 people, so there is an adjacent field. And so there were attempts that did spill into the field, no matter how much we tried to pull everybody back onto one side. Okay. Um, as far as the, the neighboring, like there um, are fences behind, and we tried really hard to like go out and clean up garbage. Um, camp was really settled when they were here. Like I said, I live above the building. Yep. My children were a big part in like helping set up the tents and getting to know. We had a lot of seniors here. 
Um, so it was very calm, very respectful. Um, you know, bedtime was at 11. Um, well, I don't provide 24-hour support, so I'm a food bank, so camp would settle at 11. It was just very respectful. Everybody was so, um, you know, helpful. The campers, you know, would take care of each other and clean up, and it was beautiful. Obviously, that wouldn't have been a long-term solution anyway, right? I mean, no, there has no. to be some sort of a long-term solution put in place here. I mean, tents don't work, you know, very very quickly here. It's not going to be an option. No, as as part of my fundraiser to start this, I slept in a tent for two months outside um, mm-hmm. over over um, over the winter, and so I like there's no stopping a wind, no. um, and so people people need housing, people need services. Um, this lack of service, this you know, they're in a desert being prevented access for medical professionals. Like this is this is not okay. Um, not only are tents not a solution, you know, this is teetering on a human rights crisis right now. Like preventing access to medical, um, you know, we're, people aren't getting their meds right now. People aren't getting to see their addiction therapists. Um, you know, it's really cold out. Sure, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's life and death. Uh, Craig, yeah. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to provide your perspective on this situation. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and uh, taking the time for us. Yes, thank you. Huge fan of your show, and, you know, um, thank you for allowing this conversation to take place. Yeah, you bet. Thank you very much. Um, that is Craig Hovelson, who is owner of the Rock Soup Greenhouse and Food Bank in Wetaskiwin, and it was his facility that was sort of um, facilitating, I guess, the second emergency shelter in Wetaskiwin. The first one downtown was shut down, and when it was shut down, um, the people moved to the food bank and set up the camp there. Ultimately, that was shut down as well. Now, I'm seeing your text from people saying, Some, this isn't true. There was problems, all kinds of things going on. I fully understand that there are two sides to every story, and there are different viewpoints and there are different perspectives. That is why, coming up after the 9.30 news, I've invited the mayor to come on, and he has graciously accepted, and I really appreciate it. Because, yes, of course, this is a very, very complex issue, and it's seen in different ways from different people. So I want to get the explanation from Mayor Tyler Gandam as to how we got to this position, what the plan is going forward. And I know that homelessness in Wetaskiwin has been an issue before, has been for years. It's been an issue in every community. You take a look at what happened in the city of Edmonton last year with massive tent camps, and they had to open up the convention center, and they were busing them to Commonwealth Stadium. It's not an easy situation to handle, especially with our climate. So I fully understand that there are two sides to this story. We've got one side. And what we try and do is bring on the other side. So we're going to take a break for the 930 News. And when we come back, we will have the mayor of Wetaskiwin join us. Because you're right. We're hearing one side of the story. There is another side. And we want to bring you the full story, get the details on how we got here, where we're going. So we're going to have that chat when we come back after the 930 News. All right, continuing with our discussion about the situation in Wetaskiwin. And as I said, there's two sides to every story. And... Um, you know, I'm seeing the text that we're getting. Uh, this one, you know, the residents of the area around Rock Soup were vandalized and robbed, etc. I was part of a group that took a petition to council to have those tents moved. Our council listened to our concerns at an open mic, and along with uh, the petition, they did their due diligence for the citizens of Wetaskiwin. Okay, so obviously it's not as clear-cut as it might seem uh, in some of the stories that we've read. So I'm really happy that we have Tyler Gandam joining us now, the mayor of Wetaskiwin. Um, mayor, thank you so much for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. 
Good morning. Thanks for the opportunity. So hopefully we can get a little clarity here on how we got into this situation. Let's go back to the emergency shelter that was set up in the Civic Building. Um, sure. The issues around that, why did the city decide to shut down that, that facility? So we had, uh, back in November, we had uh, started working with an agency out of Camrose to establish programming for mental health and addictions that also had a shelter component to it. So it was going really, really well uh, in the beginning. Crime overall in the city was going down. Our vulnerable population was being looked after. Uh, They were able to work with AHS, have undiagnosed medical needs looked after. Medications were being managed. Um, Identification and and just being able to help the vulnerable population um, kind of sort things out as they work through the the addictions and the mental health that they've been struggling with for, for decades. So it was going really, really well, especially during the winter. Um, people weren't outside when it's 35 below sure. outside. That's probably not where you're going to be. Uh, once spring hit, we saw a large increase to the number of people utilizing the shelter in and around the hub. So that includes our downtown area. Uh, we noticed an increase in crime in the area. Residents and businesses didn't feel safe downtown. Um, open consumption of alcohol, open drug use. Um, all of these things were going on in and around, I shouldn't say in, around the hub and the shelter. Um, and it was concerning to not only the community, but to council as well. So we were trying to work with the open door, trying to have some operational changes done so that um, the issues that we were having outside of the hub didn't overshadow the good that was being done inside the shelter, along with the programming and the partnerships that they had been able to establish uh, with Musquechis, Mobile Mental Health, AHS, all of the other agencies that they were able to work with. Uh, Tyler, we you weren't, weren't able, sorry, sorry, we, just, we weren't I get, able to... Yeah, right, go ahead. I, I just wanted to say, that that's part of the question I had, because the reporting I've seen sort of portrays this as the city just pulled it, that's it, we shut it down. I imagine there was some consultation, there was some discussion, there was, these are the problems we're having, we need to address them. That Absolutely. didn't happen? It, it did happen. We did the the changes didn't happen. The conversations happened. Okay. So the city, while while we were um, getting the complaints of the issues of everything going in, or sorry, around the hub, around the civic building, uh, the city hired a private security company to to be in the area to try to bring that level of safety back to the downtown. So we were trying different things to get it to work, and it just wasn't working. The all of the good work that was happening with the open door and with the hub. Um, didn't make up for all of the things that were going on and spilling outside of the building, and which was creating a, a bigger problem for our community in our downtown. Okay, so you made the decision to close that facility. Um, what was the plan at that point? There wasn't a plan, and that's one of the things that um, I was disappointed in. So the will of council is obviously the majority sets the direction. Uh, I voted against closing the hub because we didn't have a plan B or an alternative location to go. Um, council voted to close it, so the open door was given the 90 days termination notice of the lease agreement, and we continued working. So while even while the hub was operational, even before we had terminated the lease with them, um, the city, with the open door, with a bunch of other agencies, with the provincial government, with uh, leadership from Muskochis, had been looking and working on trying to find an alternative solution to the hub being set up in the civic building nobody ever thought that that was a good location for it Mm -hmm. so we were trying to find another location for it and we had been actively working on that from the very beginning okay and you just you just ran out of time and something had to be done before you came up with a plan correct yeah correct okay so now they moved to the new setup outside of the food bank 
Um, what was the situation there? To hear Craig tell it, um, it sounds idyllic, very peaceful. It was beautiful, people getting along with each other, everything going well. I'm seeing a lot of texts from residents of Wetaskiwin saying, yeah, not even close. No, it's, and it wasn't like that at all. And I listened to the interview beforehand. Uh, Craig and I have a history of me correcting a lot of the misinformation that he likes to share. Uh, one of the things was is that he said they just showed up at his property. He had openly invited and was advertising through his social media outlets um, looking for tents. So this was a plan that they had in place before the lease had expired um, with the civic building and the open door. So this was pre-planned and this was in the works before um, there wasn't, which was is, is neither here nor there. Having an alternative solution or an alternative location <clears throat> is definitely a priority. So that's fine. Um, the, the comment that it may have spilled over into an adjacent property is uh, probably selling it a little bit short. They were well into the property to the north of Rock Soups. The city and the RCMP and our city CPOs had gone to them and said, you're trespassing. We had uh, complaints from the owner of that property saying they didn't want them on their property and they flat out refused to move. So they were now trespassing. Okay. They didn't have zoning to set up an encampment on Rock Soup's pro, uh, property. A compliance order was issued to Rock Soup. Uh, they ignored it, and then they appealed it. Um, all the while, the city is still trying to find an alternative location. The city owns property in behind Walmart, so we were able to get that leveled out, gravel put down, a large industrial fire pit put out there, garbage cans, um, washrooms, everything that, uh, for, I shouldn't say everything, trying to meet as many of the needs as we possibly could for the vulnerable population and those experiencing homelessness that, that we possibly could. So once we had that set up through the help of the RCMP and our city peace officers, we were able to get the encampment moved. So I, Craig had said there was something like 50 or 60 tents there and 75 or I don't know what the total number of people staying on his property were. We're now we're at about 20, 25 people that are staying at the encampment that the city had set up. So while the entire thing is less than ideal. Um, one of the other comments that was made was AHF condemning the city um, for not providing... Uh, yeah, saying that you weren't meeting needs. the yeah. basic requirements of public housing. So so a, uh, a statement like that from, from an agency who is responsible for looking after basic human needs, the city doesn't have a minister of um, health. The, the city doesn't have a minister of mental health and addictions. We're doing everything that we possibly can within our ability and within the ability of our means too. Like funding is mm-hmm. doesn't just, just pop into the city's coffers to say, here, let's look after this decades old issue. So anonymously or whoever made the comment from AHS saying that we're not meeting the needs of the vulnerable population, then by all means come in and, and give us a hand with it or continue giving us a hand with it. And I don't want to make it sound like AHS hasn't been here helping the vulnerable population, but to flip it back and say that we're not meeting the basic human needs is, I don't think is, is fair to, to a municipality that for the last three years, since February of 2019, has been trying to do everything that we can to provide shelter and the basic human needs for a vulnerable population that had been ignored for decades. Um, there's been comments of the city providing cattle shelters in a field uh, in the summer, probably in 2018. 2018 that was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so what I find really frustrating with that is is that all of these people who had concerns about how inhumane a cattle shelter were sure didn't care when they were sleeping under the bushes or out in the field or 
left left to their to their own means in a field without any kind of shelter whatsoever. The city provided some fire pits for some warmth. I, granted, it was still the summertime, but shelter from the elements, whether it's the sun, wind, uh, rain, anything else like that, we're trying to do as much as we can with the means that we have available. So I've been a funeral director in the city for going on 17 years. I'm a captain with our fire service for 20 years. I've been working with um, doing removals of people who have passed away from the elements for a long time. And for somebody to to say that what we're doing is inhumane is a pretty fair statement as well, not knowing the history of everything that's been going on in the city. The amount of drug overdoses and Narcan and CPR that I've done in the last three years, let alone the last 20, would rival any per capita big city in North America. We are struggling we are struggling. We have a huge issue. And unless we've got all orders of government, federal, provincial, and municipal, as well as the agencies that go along with it, we're not going to be able to solve any of these issues. I think you make, a, you make a really good point there, Tyler. It, it, it can't be just your community. Like, like you say, no. Musquachese has to be involved. The province has to be involved. Can you hang on for one quick second, then we'll come back yeah. and continue? Okay. Uh, we'll take a quick break and be back with uh, Mayor of Otasco and Tyler Gandam right after this. And we're chatting with uh, the mayor of Wetaskiwin, Tyler Gandam, trying to get a handle on exactly what's going on with the homeless population in that community. And I think we're getting a little more clarity around it. Uh, so thank you to the mayor for uh, joining us this morning. Um, mayor, I guess the focus needs to be here, how we move forward. And and I think you make a really, really good point that um, a lot of people pointing fingers at Wetaskiwin City Council. We know there are other communities very close to Wetaskiwin that certainly are part of this situation. The provincial government has a role to play. So have those discussions happened? I know you've had meetings with leaders from Muscochees before uh, to try and get a handle on this, and they've been involved. Do those continue? They do, yep. Um, I, and I continue to meet with ministers with the provincial government as well. They've been very supportive in in trying to work to find a solution for Wetaskiwin. One of the biggest hurdles that we're facing right now is the funding for the warming shelter. I had a meeting in August with a minister and another uh, leader of an, an agency or an organization where funding was all but guaranteed at that time so that we could set up the warming shelter while we continue to find a longer-term solution for the community. Um, so far, the uh, the province has confirmed the funding. Um, the city has confirmed funding through a grant that we received from the provincial government earlier last, or late last year, sorry. And I'm just waiting for confirmation on funding from the other agency or the other organization that had assured me that there was funding available. So while this isn't happening as quickly as I had hoped or as it should have, um, we are still exhausting every resource that we possibly can to find the solution or to find the funding to make sure that we've got that warming shelter in place before the winter hits. Yeah, I mean, do you have a timeline? Do you know? I mean, it's pretty chilly out there already. And, and like you yep. say, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's quick, the quicker the better. Um, do you have a timeline in place and what might it be? Where might it be? Uh, it'll be in the same area that it's at right now. We're looking at um, uh, repurposing some of the camps that they used for the Olympic Games in Vancouver. They were used for um, isolation shelters when COVID was kind of just starting out. Uh, we've got we've got a line on those. All like I said, what we're waiting for is the funding, the confirmation of the funding. Um, so what are we talking about? Like ACO trailers, that kind of thing? Is that what it yeah. is? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if they're ACO specific, but yeah, something very similar. Uh, so that's the temporary fix, which uh, yeah. will be very, very welcome, uh, no doubt. But like you say, you know, the emergency shelter was shed, uh, set up and then shut down with without a plan for replacement in place. 
it seems like a long-term plan needs to be um, come up with here. Uh, what kind of work is being done on that and who's involved? The city, AHS, we've got a number of agencies involved with this to try to make this happen so that it's not just the city unilaterally making decisions or trying to find solutions on issues that we are just barely scratching the surface on. We don't have the expertise. To, we don't know what's needed. We don't know what um, what is going to work best for the vulnerable population. And so we continue to work with the other agencies. That includes AHS, the provincial government. Um, I've had a good working relationship with Indigenous services, with the federal government, through uh, my, my con- or my, our member of par- parliament, Mike Lake, has set that up as well. So it's, Again, it's not happening as quickly as it could or as it, as it should, but it's happening as quickly as we can make it happen with the resources that we have. Have you got all those people in a room? I mean, have all the, you know, like Muscatese, yourself, the province, the feds, has, have you had an opportunity to get everybody in a room and say, we got to get to work on this? Not, not the feds, but definitely Muscatese, uh, AHS, and the committee that the city has set up. Gotcha. You talk about the expertise and the ability and, you know, and the programming and things like that. When we're talking about the open door group that was involved, that um, according to the reporting that we talked about earlier, say they really want to be involved and they're leaning over fences to help, but they'll be charged with trespassing if they come in. What's the relationship there? Why are they going to be charged with trespassing if they go in and try and offer services to the people in the camp uh, behind the Walmart right now? When, and I don't, uh, I don't agree with how everything is unfolding as it is as it's going right now. The, uh, the, the relationship is broken between the city and the open door. Okay. Uh, that stems back from the operations at the hub through the civic building and us trying to find a common ground there where we didn't feel, um, we didn't feel like we were heard. So now, while we're trying to protect the rest of the community um, from things that were going on around the civic building that the open door publicly said they had no responsibility for, we need to make sure that the rest of the community is being looked after as well. So we had uh, a permit set up through our, we had a legal opinion permit set up through our vendor program or vendor permitting with the city to get a permit done up so that we can find out where the open door is going to be working, for how long, what are they going to be offering for services, and then if we needed to increase patrols with RCMP, if we needed to hire security, if we needed to set up garbage cans, if we needed to set up washrooms, because the downtown was being used as a public urinal and people were defecating all over the place. If we didn't have that ability while they were working someplace else in the city, we're now doing the rest of the community a disservice by letting an agency operate who didn't look after the issues that we had going on outside the civic building to begin with. So again, while I don't agree with the way that things are unfolding, I made a motion to add the permitting issue to our September 27th council meeting and it was defeated by council. So this is a great example of, and while I totally appreciate the mayor as a spokesperson for the the city, um, I can't by myself make changes to how things are operating. And I think that's the expectation right now is that things aren't going well, so it's my fault, which is fine. I know that in my heart and, and when I'm done working for the day and I know that all the things that I've done to try to change the situation here, I know that I'm doing everything that I can. It's just really unfair that I'm being blamed for things that, all of council are doing um, or the majority of council are doing to not move this forward sometimes. And it's a little bit frustrating for me when council won't even have a conversation on the permitting issue that we're having where the vulnerable population isn't being looked after and we can't find or settle an agreement with council, let alone with an outside agency. So I do agree 
that we need to be doing something differently. I can't, by myself, direct administration to do something differently. I need the rest of council, or I need the majority of council to at least have that conversation, and they're not willing to. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're one vote on council just like any other mayor. Uh, and yeah, you are the figurehead. So I, I really do appreciate you coming in here and answering the questions. Um, uh, last one before I let you go here. Um, as you said, it's not happening as quickly as you want. How optimistic are you? Or can, can you make any promises that those warming shelters, that there will be something in place? I would say we need it now. Um, but um, h- how close is that? And are you confident those will be in place soon? Uh, as soon as I get that last piece of funding, it's it's done. And again, I can't speak for the agency or the organization that uh, hasn't confirmed the funding with me. I've, I've reached out a number of times and I'll continue to reach out to make sure that they understand the importance of this. And that's not the only thing that the city is hinging what's going on or what's going to happen with those warming shelters. We're also working on a plan B and a plan C to try to make sure that those are in place as well. But again, we're we're a city of 13,000 people that doesn't have the means to just throw $750,000 or a million dollars at something for a, a temporary fix or, or something to work with within our community. We need partners at the table that are willing to help out both financially and with their expertise. Um, Mayor, thank you so much to your ta- uh, for your time today. I appreciate you coming on and uh, giving the other side of this story. And it, it is such a complex issue. Uh, we could probably talk about it for hours, but I appreciate your time. Yeah, and I just, one thing I want to clear up before we move on here is that while I'm not uh, minimizing anybody passing away or has died in the city, whether it's from a drug overdose or an undiagnosed or an untreated uh, medical need, not one person has died in that encampment since it was opened. So the news saying that there was, or four, the rumor that four had died in that encampment is completely untrue. I will not argue that there was probably four deaths as a result of our vulnerable population, whether it was an overdose, uh, an untreated medical need, or any other reason that a person might pass away. It is not because help was not available in that encampment. Somebody did not die in that encampment. Okay. Um, Mayor, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Appreciate the time, Shay. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. That is um, Tyler Gandam, who is the mayor of Wetaskiwin, and you can hear it uh, in... um, his answers to the question. He's feeling the pressure. There has been a lot of reporting. Uh, and if you read the stories, um, the one thing that struck me in reading those stories is there's there's no comment from the people who manage the city, including the mayor. Um, this is all being told from one side. And I'm sure there's other, you know, when you talk about a situation like homelessness, is there anything more complex? There's, there are no easy answers. And when you take a look at Wetaskiwin and all the different, you know, regional considerations that are involved, and as the mayor said, this is a town of 13,000 people, you know, so he's, he's got the province on board. He's working with the feds. He, he's working with Musquachis. It's complex. Um, that does not excuse the fact that the situation that's in Wetaskiwin right now, to me, is completely and totally unacceptable. People living in tents behind the Walmart, um, and in hearing from the mayor, he doesn't think it's acceptable either. Um, but as he said, that's the Council of Wetaskiwin making votes the way that they have that have led us to this situation. He's just one vote. He can't come out and, you know, unilaterally dictate this is what's going to happen. Sounds like he's got a lot of balls in the air uh, and he's doing what he can. So I appreciate him uh, coming on and, and sharing that that viewpoint um, because everybody's got a different viewpoint and it's a very, very complex issue. So uh, hopefully we have a little more clarity 
at the end of this hour than we did at the beginning of this hour. And we'll continue to follow up on the story.